the church father Augustine wrestled for some time with the Christian faith. He had come to Milan and there he had met Ambrose, the Bishop of Milan, and had been convinced intellectually of the truths of the gospel. But Augustine had lived prior to his stay in Milan many years in Carthage and elsewhere in Rome, and he was a man who was debauched, a man involved in many sins. And so he found it breaking with his sins quite difficult. He tells us in his confessions, in book 8 of his confessions, that he was in his garden one day when he heard next door the voice of a child, whether a boy or girl he cannot tell, singing, saying, tole lege, tole lege in Latin, meaning take and read, take and read. Augustine interpreted this as a command by God for him to open his Bible and read. And he opened his Bible and opened it to this passage in the Scriptures. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. This passage comes from Romans 13. We considered last time we were together that this chapter comprises a number of instructions, ethical instructions that Paul gives to the believers in Rome. In fact, in the first part of the chapter, the Apostle Paul continues to instruct them as to how they should relate with outsiders, in this instance, political leadership, that they should submit to those whom God has put over them. He tells them how they should relate to one another and emphasize the necessity of love. We're going to come back to that. In the final chapter, in the final section of the chapter, he talks about their ethical responsibility in relation to God. And he, me, he calls them then to live in light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as children of light and so put aside the deeds and the works of darkness. But verse 14 is the summarizing statement of all of his, his ethical exhortations in the chapter. He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Everything that he has been saying to them can be encapsulated in this one sentence. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. We ask the question, what does it mean to put on Christ? And we ascertained that to put on Christ involves, at least in the first instance, to put on the mind of Christ. And we talked about what the mind of Christ looked like. That the mind of Christ essentially is a 
discerning mind, a spiritually discerning mind. It is a mind that, is, that concentrates on pleasing God. So it is a God-pleasing mind. And the mind of Christ is a self-abnegating mind, a, a self-denying mind, uh, one that does not insist on its own rights. But that is the mind of Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ means putting on his mind. But it also means, secondly, adopting or putting on the character of Christ. And this is where we are going to focus our attention today. Putting on Christ means that we are to clothe ourselves, that is, we are to adopt his graces and his qualities and his characteristics. To put on Christ is to adopt his graces, his qualities, his characteristics. Paul uses here in Romans 13 verse 14 the verb endure. He uses it actually 11 times in his epistles to put on, to clothe yourself. Now it is of note that when Paul uses to put on, this verb to put on, he, he uses it to equate putting on Christ with putting on the new man. We find this in the passage that we read together from Colossians 3, 9 to 10. You notice that he says in Colossians 3, 9 to 10, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man and his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. For the apostle, the new man that they have put on is the new self. It is the person that they have become in Christ. And so the new man is a synonym of Christ himself. They have put on the character of Christ. The new man, in other words, is the character of Christ that the Spirit produces in the converted believer. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ means, therefore, to put on the new man, to put on the character and the attributes of Jesus Christ, the moral attributes of Jesus Christ. But clothing oneself with the person of Christ involves adopting specific qualities and attributes. So if I were to say to put on Christ means putting on the character of Christ, putting on his attributes, his qualities, his virtues, the question that you should actually ask and what what virtues? And the passage in Colossians that we read in verses 12 to 14 specifies some of the characteristics of Christ that form the character of Christ. You notice he says, therefore, in Colossians 3, 12 to 14, therefore, as the elect of God, you are God's elect, set apart by God from eternity to be his own. You are holy, devoted to God. You are beloved of God. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. And even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You see, those who adopt the character of Christ, the new man, must adopt specific attributes of Christ, specific graces, these, Paul says, include heartfelt compassion. Anyone who will wear Christ's character must reveal 
compassion. And compassion, at least the Greek term for compassion, is a term that, that describes the viscera, the bowels of a person. Because the ancient people believed that feelings came from deep down here in the viscera, in the intestines. And Paul says that the believer must put on heartfelt compassion. If you are going to wear the character of Christ, you must be compassionate. We, we live with a lot of terrible things around us. We see children on television who are starving. We see great brutality around us. And after a while, we become numb to these things. But those who have the character of Christ must, must wear his compassion. It is that pity that one experiences in the sight of distress and agony and pain. He says that they must put on not only heartfelt compassion, but kindness. It's good to be compassionate, but compassion without kindness is useless. So that one must be kind. It means one must be helpful and beneficial and generous in concrete situation. Giving. And we find this in our church here. Some of you have expressed that kindness in giving of your resources, in helping people in Ethiopia, in giving to those who are in need on a regular basis. It's kindness. It's a practical demonstration of care. Paul says that they are to put on the character of Christ. It includes humility. Humility is actually lowliness of mind. Not to think of ourselves higher than we are, not to exalt ourselves in our own eyes. It is to look down upon ourselves. It is to look, it is to humble ourselves or lower ourselves. It's to think of others more highly than ourselves. The ancient Greeks did not see humility as a virtue, but for Christ it was a virtue. And Paul tells us in Ephesians, in Philippians chapter 2, that our Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself. And anyone who puts on the character of Christ must also wear his humility. And then Paul says in the Colossians 3 passage that we are to put on gentleness. And gentleness describes a person who is not overly impressed with his or her own importance. It is to treat, therefore, others sensitively and tenderly. Jesus Christ himself was gentle. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so Paul tells us that gentleness should characterize us in our treatment of one another, especially those who have sinned, Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2, and we are to be gentle towards outsiders, and gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. He says that believers are to put on patience. They're, they're putting on the character of Christ. They're wearing Christ, so they must wear his attributes. They must wear his patience. And patience simply means to bear long under pressure. It is to bear up under a load. And so patience refers to long-suffering. It is that capacity, that capacity to bear insult and injury for an extended period without retaliation. The patient person is one who bears with difficulty, hardship, insult, and anguish for a long period without responding in revenge or retaliating. Our Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, shows great patience towards us. Paul goes on to say that 
They must put on the new man, the character of Christ. And this requires that they should be forgiving one another. Those who, those who seek to be like Christ must be characterized by a forgiving heart. And there the term forgiveness simply means to release somebody from a debt. Not to extract payment. Do you know, this is what happens, right? When we don't forgive, when somebody has done something to you and you, you don't forgive, you want to make them pay. Well, when you forgive, is you, you, you have decided not to let them pay. Not to let them pay. Paul, in this instance, in Colossians 3, the term he uses for forgiveness is not the, not the normal term for forgiveness, which means to release. It's a term that comes from charis, from grace. And so he's calling upon them to be lavish and gracious in releasing others from debt. And he gives them motivation why they are to forgive. It is because they have been forgiven by Christ. It is because you and I have been released from our guilt and from our sins that we extend forgiveness to one another. Listen, there is nothing that somebody can do to you that you have not done worse to Jesus Christ. And if he forgives you of the bigger sin, you are to release others of the littler ones. That's a biblical principle. And so those who put on the character of Christ must put on forgiveness. And then Paul says, and above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It is that which binds us together and draws us and leads us on to maturation. Put on love, the crowning virtue. Jesus could tell the disciples, this is the new commandment I give to you that you love one another. It's not a new commandment in the fact that they have not heard it before, but it is new because Christ now invests love with a new standard, new requirements. Believers are called upon to exhibit love, and the New Testament describes love not in terms of an emotion, but in sacrificial living for the interest and for the good of others. And so Paul could tell us in that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, he says that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but positively it rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Love never fails. This love that Jesus requires of us, for those of us who wear his character, was, was evident in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells the Galatians, Ephesians, sorry, in chapter 5 of, of Ephesians, walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself as a sacrifice and an offering as a sweet-smelling savor to God. John says, in this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. You see, you and I must see that in Christ there is genuine love. A love that is not merely emotive, but a love that is practical and sacrificial and self-giving. Christ loved us, so he died for us. And we are to demonstrate this self-giving, this sacrificial love for one another. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. To put on Christ is to put on his character. I've just been going through a few of the characteristics of Jesus that you must wear if you're going to wear his, his character. You must wear his compassion, 
You must wear his kindness in a, in a world of evil and selfishness. You must wear his humility in a world of pride and arrogance. You must wear his gentleness in a, in a world where people are rough and simply concerns only about themselves. You must wear his forgiveness in a world where people lack forgiveness. And you must wear his love in a world where men and women are characterized by hate. But I want to suggest further that there is more, more to wearing the character of Christ. That being clothed with Christ involves adopting his holiness. When you go back to the passage before us, that is in Romans 13 verse 14, Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Part A of the verse. Part B, or the second clause in the verse says, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust. What, what, what I'm trying to indicate then is that part B of verse four, 14, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust, expands and enlarges, enlarges upon what Paul means by putting on Christ. That is, the way you put on Christ is by making no provision to fulfill your sinful lust, your fleshly lust. Now, the fleshly lust that we are not to fulfill if we are to put on Christ, Paul has enumerated a few of these in verse 13, where we read. He says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. So that those who put on Christ put on his character, must not live out their sinful nature. They must not participate in practical terms in carousing. It's talking about wanton and excessive living. They must not be given to drunkenness. They must not be given to lewdness, the New King James says, but it is really sexual promiscuity. The, the, the root term there is bad. They are not to be engaged in sexual relationship before marriage or outside of marriage. They are not to be engaged in licentiousness, unrestrained indulgence of their, of their physical and sinful appetites. He says that they should not be living in strife. That is contentions and quarreling. And not in jealousy. That is in the negative feeling that overcomes one because of the achievements and successes of another. They must, if they are to put on Christ, they must put aside all of these negative things, all of these vices. Now, these are not the only works of the flesh that they are to put aside. Paul says that, that they must put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no plan, no provision to satisfy their sinful desires. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 gives us another list of vices, another list of fleshly desires that we are not to satisfy if we're to wear the character of Christ. He gives a list, a more elaborate list, an overlapping li li list at times. In Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 19-21, where he says, Regarding works of the flesh, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lewdness and idolatry and sorcery and hatred and contentions 
jealousies and outbursts of wrath and selfish ambitions and dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, the drunkenness, revelries, and the likes, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul makes it clear that believers cannot engage in these things if they put on the character of Christ. He has a list that is found in Colossians, in the same passage we read in Colossians, in the early part of the chapter. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of all these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. When you recast all of what Paul is saying that we should not practice, when you look at this from a positive perspective, when Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust, that means we must not live in anger, we must not live in marriage and sexual immorality, we must not live in, 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 in lust and, 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 and covetousness and so on. What he's actually saying to us is that we must live in holiness. And it means, therefore, that if we put on the character of Christ, if we put on Christ's compassion and we put on his kindness, we put on his humility, we put on his gentleness and his patience and his love, that at the heart of the character of Christ is dunning, wearing his holiness. In other words, that you and I can never be like Christ unless we adopt his holiness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ means put on his character and central to the character of Christ is a life that is holy, that is set apart from sin, that is dedicated to Jesus Christ, a life dedicated to pleasing him in purity of life and walk. My dear friends, clothing ourselves with Christ is of great importance. May I suggest at least three reasons why we must be clothed in Christ, that is with the character of Christ. First of all, the character of Christ, wherein the character of Christ leads us to assurance. You see, it is as we more and more resemble the Lord Jesus Christ that we receive the assurance from the Spirit who witnesses with our spirits that we are children of God. One of the reasons that many believers live without assurance it is because they do not seek to be like him. Conformity to the Christ leads ultimately to a sense of greater assurance that I belong to him. Why? Because you have great evidence because you look like him. And if you look like him and you walk like him and you talk like him, then generally you are like him. And so it brings you greater assurance. So putting on the character of Christ is essential for Christian consolation or Christian assurance. But putting on the character of Christ is essential because it is our protective armor. It is our protective armor. The character of Christ is the believer's protective armor. I know that because in Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, Paul says this. He says, the night is far spent. 
the days at hand. Our Lord's coming is close. He says, therefore, let us cast off the work of darkness and put on the armor of light. Here, here you find the verb, put on. Put on the armor of light. Verse 12. In verse 14 of this same chapter, Romans 13, verse 14, Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 12, he has just told us to put on the armor of light. Now he tells us to put on Christ. And the reason he does so, it is because in the mind of the apostle, the armor of light is the same thing as to put on Christ. To put on the armor of light is the same thing to put on Christ. Yes, we know that in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the Christian armor, which consists of a number of parts, including the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. But here's something I think that needs to be borne in mind. Our armor, our Christian armor, does not only consist of the virtues, or does not only consist of the merits of Christ, the things that Christ has earned by his death, like salvation, like justification, the Christian armor consists of the character of Christ. That, that is, if, in other terms then, our Christian armor does not only consist of imputed righteousness, a legal standing before God, but it consists of imparted righteousness. That is, when we stand against the devil and stand against the world, not only must we be dressed in the imputed righteousness of Christ, but we must also exhibit imparted righteousness, sanctification. What I'm trying to say then is that the Christian armor consists of righteousness as a gift from God and a life of sanctification. If you're going to withstand the world, you must live a sanctified life. You cannot simply say, I've been justified and therefore I am safe. You must live out a sanctified life. Another story from the, the scriptures. This time from Acts 19. Luke tells a story of Paul in Ephesus. And that Paul was performing in the name of Jesus several miracles. There was in Ephesus sons of the high priest, seven of them called the sons of Sceva. They saw Paul perform great miracles in the name of Jesus. And so they thought that they could just imitate him. Imitate Paul and perform miracles just as he did. So they happened to come across a guy who was demon possessed. And they decided they were going to cast the demon out. So they said to the man, I adjure you or I exercise you, that is to the demon, I exercise you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Fascinating. The demon responded to the seven sons of Sceva. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the demon resided assaulted the seven sons of Sceva, put a beating on them so that they had to flee naked and wounded. These seven sons of Sceva were not identified with Jesus. They knew him at a distance indirectly through the Apostle Paul. They did not wear his character. They did not have his righteousness. They could not withstand the devil. My friends, Satan fears nothing on earth greater than a holy Christian. 
If there's anything on earth that will make Satan tremble, is a holy man or woman. Robert Murray McShane, the great Scottish preacher and evangelist to the Indians in the 1860s, gave an ordination address to a man known as Dan Edwards. And McShane, in his address, in his ordination address, said to him, according to your purity, so will be your success. He continued by reminding him that God does not use great talents. It is not great talents, he says. It is not great ideas that God uses, but great likeness to Christ. And then he caps it off by saying, Mr. Edwards, a holy man is an awesome weapon in the hand of God. You must put on the Lord Jesus Christ and his character because it is only as you are wearing the image of Jesus, it is only as you are being like him and demonstrating his person in life that you'll be able to resist and to have victory in life. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is your defense. It is your armor. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ thirdly, because by so doing, you are preparing yourself for the life to come. Paul uses the verb to put on again, particularly in Romans 15, verses 53 to 54. One, oh sorry, in 1 Corinthians 15, 53 to 54, he says, For this corruption must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. It is as you and I wear the character of Christ that one day we will wear the glorified body of Christ. That one day as you seek to be more and more like Christ, in love, in humility, in compassion, in gentleness, and primarily in holiness, as you seek to be more like him in character, one day you will be dressed like him with a renewed body, a glorified body, when you see him. Close yourself with Christ. Pilots, policemen, and soldiers, and many others, put on uniforms. They wear special uniform to identify themselves, their profession, and sometimes to indicate their authority. And Christians must put on Jesus Christ. No doubt you would have heard that clothes do not make a man. That anybody can put on a uniform, and anybody can put on a suit of clothes. You dress a pig up in a suit, a suit and give him a bow tie, and... And if there's a mud or a, or a pond near, near, nearby, he will go there and wallow in it, regardless of what clothes he's wearing. Pig is always a pig, whatever he wears. So you, you, you will hear clothes do not make a man. Your clothing does not have a relationship with your character. But when we clothe ourselves with Christ, we are not putting on some external 
some external garment. We are putting on the internal character of Christ, which changes us. We must put on Christ. We must seek to be more like him. We must exchange our sinful, lustful, selfish characters for a character that is worth having. It's the character of Christ. We must say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be more like you. Christ must be our pattern and Christ must be our goal. That the pattern of the Christian life is to be like Christ, to wear his character. The goal of the Christian life is finally to be like him. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means that if you are to be like Christ, you must find your way to him. You must say to him, Lord, I want you to do a spiritual makeover. We are a nation and we are part of a society that is obsessed with image. We take a lot of time with our hair. Any, any husband who wants to be his wife, bad books, will try to rush her in the morning when she's doing her hair. Got to get it right. Our guys, we go to the, the gym. We spend a lot of time looking at ourselves in the mirror. That, 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 there must be something really wrong with that. I understand, you know, that you've got to make sure you have the right technique and form. But there's, there's something perverse about, you know, just admiring yourself in the mirror for hours on end. There, there's something wrong with that. I, I, I think so. We are, we are obsessed with image. But the image that we need... It's the image of Jesus Christ. You, you, if you are going to wear the image of Christ, you must know that, that as you are, you are not perfect. You must have a holy dissatisfaction with yourself. You, you must have a glimpse of your sinfulness and desire to be changed and to be made anew. You, you must go to, say, to God and say, Lord, I am not pleased with the man or woman that I am. I want you to do a deep and abiding renovation to give me a new heart and a new spirit and a new character. I want to be made brand new. And if that is your cry to him, if you go in faith believing in Jesus Christ, turning from your sins, parting from them, he will make you a brand new person. One that you can look at in the mirror and be happy with. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, I want you to know if you're a Christian, you can do this. You can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the imperative to put on Christ is dictated by the indicative. We are, we are reminded by the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians. He tells us in chapter 3, verse 27, he says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What I want you to understand is that the command to put on Christ is not impossible. For the very reason that you are commanded to put on Christ is Paul says when you were baptized into Christ, you already put him on. That is, when you were converted, when the Spirit of God changed you and gave you a new spirit, a new mind, he began to create in you the image of Christ that has already been destroyed, not eradicated, but destroyed by sin. When you were converted, he began to change you into the image of Christ. When you were converted, he made you like Christ. He gave you similar appetites and desires like Christ. He gave you spiritual characteristics like Christ. 
And so when Paul says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, when he uses the indicative, it is because the, the, the imperative, it is because the indicative has already occurred. You are already like Christ. But there must be a conscious, a deliberate appropriation of the characteristics of Jesus. It means that in the, in the very practical and concrete expressions of life, you must put on Christ. So, at work, when somebody sends an email to your boss and complains about you, your natural response perhaps is to go through all of the errors that they have made and send a longer list to your boss telling them about how bad that person is. But you see, in that particular situation, you are to put on Christ. And by putting him on, it means that you must forgive. Put on Christ, my friends, in the language and the literature that you read and listen to. Put on Christ by demonstrating his love in concrete expressions of life. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That if you are in a relationship with somebody, do not involve in sexual immorality. And if you cannot contain yourself, get married. And I know a lot of people say to me, well, you know what, Pastor, I can't get married because I want to have sexual intercourse with, with my wife or have sexual intercourse. The Apostle Paul, you know, didn't seem to have any scruples there or fear. He says, if you burn, what? If you burn, get married. Put on Christ. It means that as you look at life, you must endeavor to demonstrate a purity and a holiness in speech. In thought and in deed. Put Christ on. You see, the danger is that we always revert to who we are. In most situations, the easiest path is to just be the same old persons we are. So Paul must tell us that we must deliberately appropriate the character of Christ. It can be done because you have already been made new and raised to newness of life in Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, I want you to know finally that to put on Christ does not mean you can do it alone or in your strength. To put on Christ, you must depend upon the Spirit of God. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember that? And he lists them. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against these is such there is no law. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Or better yet, who do you think displays all these characteristics Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. Who displays them perfectly? Jesus Christ. So the fruit of the Spirit is the same as the character of Christ. And what that means, therefore, is that if you are to demonstrate the character of Christ, you need the Holy Spirit. And so you must call upon the Holy Spirit to make you like Christ. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit is given to you and to me to work within us to make us like Christ. If you are to live the Christian life and produce holiness, 
and not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, you need the Holy Spirit. For earlier in Galatians 5, Paul tells us, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to be like Christ. You must look to God's Holy Spirit, to God's Almighty Spirit, who is able to make you over. My dear friends, for 2015, we need Jesus. We need to be like him. We, we need to renounce our own characters and take on a brand new character. We need to gaze upon Jesus, for it is as we look upon him, as we see him in his beauty and in his grandeur, we are being transformed from one degree of glory into another. We must gaze upon Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, who is the Everlasting Father. We must look upon Jesus, who is the Savior of our souls. We must look to Christ. We must say, God, deliver me from this old age. I may live in an old age among sinful people, but I want to be a new person. Jesus, recreate your image in me. Form yourself within me. You must look to Christ. You must gaze upon Jesus in his beauty and long for him and trust the Spirit of God to make you anew. The greatest thing that you can do in 2015 is to be more like Jesus. That in your home, in your family, with your friends and your companions at work, that they may see more of Jesus in you. If we want to have a church that is happy and vibrant, we all need to be more like Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on his mind. Put on his character. Put on his compassion and his kindness. Put on his humility, his gentleness, his patience, his forgiveness. Put on his holiness. Put on his holiness. Be he holy. He who calls you is holy, be holy. You can never be as holy as Christ. He's sinless. But oh, my friends, commit yourself to radical obedience and holiness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ by depending fully upon his spirit for Jesus' sake. Amen.